A good leader keeps a sharp eye on their P&L, but even if you're all about the money, it can't be all about the money. To achieve sustainable success, you need people and you need leadership. That's the other P&L, and it's what we'll be talking about in this show. Join Director of People and Culture, Aura Hewitt, and me, leadership strategist Julie Quinn, as we help you improve the other P&L, people and leadership. How are you doing today? Good. How are you feeling, you poor thing? Oh my God, I'm feeling much better now that we're here. I was making sure that I can get better and everything, and I wanted to make sure that we can be here and get ready. And so excited. Yesterday was interesting. I have a couple of questions. So so excited to start. This has been the thing that I've been looking for, Julie. So welcome everybody to Overcoming Post-Pandemic Challenges at Work. We are super excited to have you here and connect with each of you about this awesome topic. And then, so as all of us know, during the pandemic, it has been challenging for each of us. And this session, honored to be here with Julie Quinn, an strategist that has worked with multiple businesses and leaders throughout her career to discuss overcoming post-pandemic challenges at work. So during the pandemic, we experienced different changes, right? But some of those changes are starting to happen early on. And so one of the things that we wanted to start today is question number one for Julie to enlighten us with uh, her feedback and experiences to see, Julie, what are some of the learnings that you think that we have taken as a result of the pandemic? And this includes we as people, as leaders, members of the community, and also as businesses. Yeah, what a huge question, right? I've been so interested in hearing the stories from HR folks and my own colleagues, even my kids who work in organizations and who are reporting back their experiences. A couple of things that I'll just touch on, the kind of obvious thing, the the hybrid versus remote versus in the office, logistics which certainly is getting a lot of attention. I think we've learned that jobs we didn't think could be done remotely can be done remotely. I think we've found that management can happen remotely. I think we've found that being able to have jobs be done remotely expands our recruiting pool and allows us to find and keep good talent. So there are those kind of more obvious things just kind of bounce around here. One of the other things that I think was is so interesting is the question of management and the manager's job and how managers manage. I was struck at the beginning of the pandemic by the big question many people had about how can I manage if we're not in the office? And I'm thinking, well, how do you manage when you're in the office? Like, how do you know people are doing their work? Well, I can see them. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, how does that translate at all to getting work done or having outcomes? Like, I don't understand, right? Like there are either outcomes or there are not outcomes. Whether you can see somebody doing the work to create an outcome or not doesn't really make a difference, right? So I think that was a huge aha, where people were asking me, can I do some programs on managing remotely? 
And, you know, I was being a little snarky maybe, but I was like, it's the same as managing when you're not remote. (laughs) You know, it's having good goals and expectations and checking in on those goals and expectations and giving feedback on the outcome. Turns out, I don't think we were managing in the office so much as just seeing whether people were in their seats. One other thing, I mean, there are so many things to talk about, but one of the other big post-pandemic learnings that I hope we can take from this experience is how much we assume can or can't happen until necessity, which is, as they say, the mother of invention, until necessity requires us to consider it. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. So one is where we work is an interesting question now where we have more opportunity and how we manage the work is a big question and how we should manage that opportunity. And going forward, what are our assumptions about work and how can we be more aware of those and expand beyond them now that we have the opportunity to? I guess I would raise up those three. What have you got on your mind, Aura? This is a big question. Well, Jolie, the audience is telling you what they think of your feedback. Thank I you love so much my applause. I just love the applause. It's fabulous. <laughs> Julie, I couldn't agree more with you. I think that the pandemic actually highlighted other type of issues that we had in business that necessarily we were not aware and how we always have known that perception creates issues, right? That perception creates issues on how our own biases can also, I would say, sabotage some of the work that we are doing. And you highlighted at the beginning of you answering the question how there was this perception that we are not in the office, we cannot manage people, we cannot lead them. And that ties to the second answer that you provided in regards of what we are doing in terms of work. Is it hybrid? Is it remote? Is it in person? What is it? I do think that now that we are post-pandemic, there are multiple things that came. One includes obviously hybrid, remote work, face-to-face. It also emerged the concept of flexibility and what does that really mean? Not only for employees, but also for the employer and for the leaders, right? Because flexibility needs to happen at the levels of the organizations. We also came to find out that we have a huge gap in terms of how employees manage their care. Many people are parents and it's hard, not only like who they leave their kids with. Like during the pandemic, we learned that many of the daycares have to close due to COVID cases, etc. And that is an issue that until right now is not 100% some daycares run short stuff as a result not only of the greater resignation, but also as a result of people getting COVID and other type of issues they are having internally. We also came to learn that many of our employees in organizations are actually taking care of an elderly, either parent, brother, sister, or somebody else. And what does that mean for them? What type of stress do they get as a result of that? How frightened was the pandemic, knowing that now they have to not only take care of them, but in many occasions, you know, not being able to see them at the locations that they were at, or that now they have to have this older family member at their household. We also learned that employees more than ever need leaders that are open and that actually listen to them, not just tell them what they want to hear, but that actually listen. And then other questions that came out as, I think this was a concern for us before, and there has been talk, 
But I really think that the pandemic highlighted much more is the world of wellness and what does that really mean from the holistic perspective and black perspective. And then, of course, mental health, which is something that it has been in the mind of many of us. So I think that the pandemic has highlighted multiple situations. There are obviously jobs that cannot be all remotely on hybrid. So things are compromised, like the dentist, right? We have to go to the dentist, right? And they cannot do their job remotely, right? Police officers, as we think of them, right? We have the medical personnel who has been in the front lines of this pandemic, supporting us and guiding us each step of the way, right? We have people who are protecting the borders, right? We don't have robots to be at the border or anything like that, but there are many jobs as of right now that actually are needed to be face-to-face because either the client or the population that they serve is face-to-face. Activities that cannot be done remotely, there are other jobs that can be done potentially hybrid because they have the capabilities of doing that. And because of the population that these businesses are serving are also in a hybrid mode. So that makes sense. And there are other businesses, right? that they can be 100% kind of like remote work environment because of the same reason, like their services they provide and everything is, there are functions that can be done remotely. So I do think that one of the things that the pandemic also highlighted is that there is a play for all and not necessarily one work model is better than the other one. It depends, right? And we cannot forget about those who may not be able, you know, even that they may want to, right? To be like, let's say face-to-face, their work environment decide that, hey, for us, it makes more sense to be remote, right? And vice versa, there are potentially employees who are working face-to-face and that will prefer to have a hybrid or anything, but the population they serve needs to be face-to-face. So example, it's like the dentist example that I put in or the police officer, right? That they actually have to be in person to do their jobs. And so I think that's one of the things that was insightful and that touches to the next question that I have for you, Julie, which is more like now that we know these things that have happened while the pandemic has highlighted, what other issues have you seen that can become, I will say, in the highlight of businesses and leaders post-pandemic? Now that we know at least this eight or nine, right, that has been highlighted, what are other issues that you see that came or other challenges that businesses and leaders will have to overcome? Yeah, this is a big one as well. I think the cost structures of businesses are going to have to take a really, they're going to have to be put under a different microscope, not a closer microscope, a different microscope. What I mean by that. Many organizations have been dealt a blow around the supply chain, right? So consumer goods, manufacturers of things, they quite literally and tangibly could not get the ingredients to make their product. And therefore, they needed to find different vendors. They needed to get loans to carry them over for a period of time. And it's a tangible kind of a change that the businesses needed to make that you could put on paper and see the cost of. I think we need a different type of microscope to put the supply chain problem we have on the people side. Because 
We had the supply chain issue with people where they couldn't come into work, right? We couldn't get them into work, so they couldn't work necessarily. And we fixed that and said, okay, you can work hybrid. And then add to that the mental strain of the pandemic. Add to that some of the other strains that we weren't, you mentioned a couple of them, daycare and that kind of thing, elder care. Now we have a situation with the great resignation, right? I think businesses need to look at this as a, a strategic business issue in terms of what, how can we structure our finances in such a way that we are hiring the right people at the right wage and training managers in the right way to support those employees so that we can create and maintain our own reliable supply chain of labor in an organization. And those things are very difficult to measure. But from my perspective as an HR executive and a leader in, in many different types of organizations, and if you look at Gallup and Towers Perrin and Blessing White and all of the consultants out there that have done surveys on why people leave, it is clear that part of it is compensation, but most of it is the type of work people get to do, the type of resources they have to do their best work, and the type of managers that they have to help them develop and grow as a career professional. And so this is information we have and can use. One organization I just read about at LinkedIn, their HR person just announced that they are changing the minimum salary at their organization to a minimum of $75,000. No matter what your role is, front desk receptionist, cleaning personnel, customer service operator, whatever it is, their minimum salary is $75,000, which they consider a living wage. Now, how might that change? that organization's supply chain of labor when it comes to people affording daycare, people affording some help or some mental health support or some in-home home care for their elder and aging parents to take kind of the edge off of the extreme issues. One other thing I'll mention that we haven't talked about much is ergonomics. We have an entire population of people working from home in makeshift offices. I think we're going to see a big uptick in workplace injury and repetitive stress and ergonomic issues that come from us being home for so long. I couldn't agree more, Julie, and great insights about not only how companies are looking to raise salaries as trying to compete with the great resignation. And I think it's that company that actually did that, the company that you mentioned, is very smart because then what happened is it's not that money is everything, but this will go long ways with their employees to know that this company was the first one, right, to announce this. It's not the same for you to be the first one, second, or third one, right? It's better to be the first. And that they took a deeper look into this. And one of the things that we've seen, we've seen the cost of inflection, right, going up and materials, et cetera, and how this type of help can help employees. I couldn't agree more with you. And also about the claims in terms of ergonomics. I think 
there are many people that actually think that their office setup at home is awesome and amazing. We cannot disagree with them, right? Many of them actually are eating lunches at their kitchens, right? Others have like very good setup, right? Where they have chairs, you know, that they actually went through some planning. But if we go back a little bit into the pandemic times, we saw, at least from my perspective and the business I was working in at the time, many of us actually didn't have like, we didn't set up at home, right? But it was not like with the top process of ergonomics. And we have people working, you know, like in different locations of their house. We have many people that were like, for example, in apartments and with tiny spaces. And I think that is something that companies needs to be, need to be thoughtful about and also select a budget for it so they can embrace and help and guide the employees. Because employees not necessarily may be thinking of these things, right? They may just say, I am at home. This is an awesome setup. I have my thing next to this location. I have my window. And it's like, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like having daylight, right? I have my window here. You can see in the back. I also have one here in the side and one up front. And I'm like, yes, it's also, but at the same time, it's like, it's my chair, you know, like what is happening? And I think it's very important to have that. And the other piece I think is important is to ensure that we see like these situations that are coming and feedback from employees as opportunities to improve as a business, as as leaders, because I think it's much more to come in regards of this topic. Awesome. So, Julie, my next question for you is how do you think that we can overcome all these like challenges that we are having? what companies can be doing, et cetera. Yeah, this is my favorite question, what to do about it. And, you know, just like any other business challenge, whether a new competitor enters your market, whether your market disappears or a supply chain issue for a product, all of these issues that come up from a business, we look at those from an overall business standpoint. What is the business going to do about this problem? My major concern, I just got off of a uh, conference, an HR conference, tri-state HR conference put on by the tri-state SHRM organizations, Society for Human Resources Management. And so this is kind of on the top of my mind because we were all talking about it. And I run a monthly networking program for HR leaders as well. And of course, this is what we've been talking about the whole time. The problem I'm hearing is that this is not being considered as a business problem. It's considered an HR problem. And, you know, if you're an international company and you rely on currency exchanges to remain stable and currency exchanges become volatile, that's not the CFO's problem. That's the business's problem. And the business now needs to decide, how are we going to deal with this financial problem with, of course, the help and guidance of our CFO? But that's not what I'm seeing with respect to employees and employment and productivity and management. We're not looking at that as a business strategy or a business problem. We're looking at it as an HR problem. And that is the wrong way to look at it. We are not going to solve that problem if we continue to isolate it to one function. And so I think the way we overcome these challenges are three things. And one of them is a little uncommon, I would say. 
just in keeping with my brand. <laughs> one. I love it. <laughs> so one, we overcome it by looking from a strategic standpoint of the whole business. And we decide as a leadership team, what do we want to look like? you know, through the next pandemic or through challenges like this? What do we want to look like? What's our vision of a strong organization financially, market-wise, product-wise, sales-wise, employment-wise, leadership-wise? What do we want to look like? And what's the strategy for putting that in place? Again, overcoming our assumptions and our biases around what we can or can't do. We've proven we can do a whole lot more than we thought we could. So that's number one is decide what you want to be and then create a strategy to become it. I know that sounds like duh, but honestly, organizations are not that good at this and they need to be better. The second thing to do to overcome this is decide specifically what your goals are as an organization. If your goals are, I would say with respect to employment, um, be clear about what your employees mean to your business. In some businesses, they may be commodities. It really doesn't matter. You know, come in, stay three months, leave, we don't care. You know, we'll just train the new person and we'll be fine. If that's truly how you can operate with your employees, then make sure that your employment brand, your onboarding, the type of people you're recruiting for match that strategy. Don't pretend you're something you're not. So be clear about how your employment, the employment aspect of your organization fits with your strategy and align it. And you can be guided by your HR person if they're a strategic minded HR person on that. The third thing that I would say is to overcome this is not leave it up to the employees as to what they want. That is not where organizations should be taking their direction. Every single employee you have in an organization is going to want something different. So you cannot provide it. However, you can give every employee the skills to understand what it is they need in order to do their best work and give them access to resources to find those things. Now, some of those resources you may be able to deliver, and that's great, but others you are not, and they need to find it elsewhere. And so to equip people to understand what they do need and how to get those things that they need is part of what we need to do. So number one, two, and three all cost money. They all cost money. They are an investment. And that investment ought to be in a strategic lever that is aligned with your long-term goals. And so I guess I would sum it all up by saying you solve this problem just like you solve any business problem. And that is you look at your vision, you look at your strategy, you look at your options, and you invest in the options you've decided to take. This is no different. Great job, Julie. Thank you for sharing those insights with us. As you can see, people are applauding your feedback, which we love. Julie, thank you so much. This has been such an insightful conversation about how we can overcome the challenges post-pandemic. We look forward to seeing everybody pretty soon here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.